I'm Summer Falgiano, and you're tuned in to Badasses in Tech. This week, we're joined by Snigda Ja, data engineer and tech badass. She's here to share the benefits of understanding data in the workplace and how it's helped her to combat imposter syndrome. When people listen, uh, hear about data scientists or data engineers, it's not as glamorous always as you may think because right. 80% of my time goes into data cleaning and data prep because you have to make sure that the data that you are bringing insights on is extremely clean and without any bias because insights, because amazing, beautiful insights on top of an unclean data or unbiased data is of no use. Yeah, I can only imagine. Yes. Wow. So what would you say is the biggest challenge? You said that you're spending 80% of your time cleaning yes. when I'm sure what you just said to me, the most interesting part of that would be the the analysis. So yes. what, what do you think is kind of stopping you um, from getting that to, to be a, a quicker thing, the cleanup? Right. Uh, so, uh, so regarding the cleanup, it's it's a very hard problem. It's uh, you can't automate cleaning up the data right away. Right. Because you have to make sure that the data that you are bringing into the warehouse for analysis, that data is important from the analysis point of view. Mm -hmm. So, for example, you may see hundred columns which has legitimate numbers, but it does not add anything to the analysis, anything mm -hmm. to the insight. So, you have to make sure that the data that you are providing further to the teams and uh, for the for those decision making, those columns, those values are important from understanding of analysis mm -hmm. insight. You have to make sure that people don't end up confusing causation with correlation. You have to make sure uh, that people don't end up uh, bringing their own bias mm -hmm. along with insights because you at the starting stage introduce that bias yourself. So all those things I think are, uh, although it takes 80% of time, but I think it's time spending, uh, it's, it's worth time spending that time. And also, um, and why I uh, do not mind doing that cleaning and prep is because I ultimately get to use my own company's tool, which is ThoughtSpot. Okay. And uh, I'm not here to advertise my tool, but I honestly would say that uh, a lot of that uh, burden from the analysis is yeah. taken away by the tool itself. So I can spend more time in making sure that we are bringing as many data sources as possible we are instrumenting as many uh, event collection as possible with uh, with all the third party tools mm -hmm. itself so that we have a more richer insight more richer analysis and decisions could be made on top of that mm -hmm. i love that could you give a, an example of a use case of how you have had you know a, a complete business impact maybe on on a on the consumer end maybe from a, a client that thoughtspot has worked with sure so, uh, so the advantageous position that I am in, I get to be the consumer of the tool of the data itself. So I can give them the firsthand experiences or firsthand uh, insight about how I feel about a tool when I am working on it. So what happens is, for example, if there is a certain feature that uh, the design team is interested in looking for, mm -hmm. or there, or the product management team is in looking for, for example, if this feature is even accessible to the user, for example, we've spent all these months trying to create this feature, but are the users actually consuming it the way we intended to? 
so to create so since i know the consumption part i understand the use case i can get into the user per, uh, user perspective and when i then start analyzing the data i don't just look at the numbers i look at the context as well for example if the user did log in and this is how, this is the page that user landed on what were what were the things that i first looked at mm. and then so for example so there are two things that i do with that one i bring my own hypothesis second i let the numbers talk mm-hmm. because if i let my hypothesis talk too much i i there is a risk of biasing the data as huh. i said earlier Yeah. So there are, so these are the two things that I do one is bringing my own hypothesis as a consumer and then and then I look at the numbers without that bias and I try to see if that hypothesis holds true or not one irrespective of the hypothesis uh, standing true or not then I build a story around it where I tell where I walk through the product managers or designers that this is how the user must have had thought or this is what user's context could have been and this is how the feature was useful or not useful to this wow. person so so this is why i am in a very uh, advantageous position yeah. in thoughtsword because i don't just have to see uh, meaningless numbers on my screen i get to weave a story around it wow. and not to say that i'm amazing i'm i'm getting better at it the at the moment i start saying good things the imposter syndrome kicks in <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah well so it sounds like you're able to with data you're able to do website design or you know maybe even troubleshoot a a user journey yes. and maybe for other companies too they could have some sort of of part in maybe creating an actual product it sounds like there's a lot that yes. can be done yes. um with this this term this new term like you mentioned earlier data engineer right right there's a lot more that can be um then can be done than those two words that that totally right. exactly yeah i think you did a really good job uh at explaining that cuz I, i i you know a lot of people like you said it's it's new so a lot of you know there's a lot of education that needs to be done so what would you say is uh what would you say is is the the number one thing that people get um confused that you would really like to to shine a light on uh confused regarding the role or uh data data science and data engineer i guess the the career the yes. role right uh, so for so uh, i can walk you through the uh, how i landed up in this particular yeah. field and uh, so i did my bachelor's in computer science uh because everybody was doing it mm-hmm. it wasn't one of my passions and when i went into it i loved the algorithm part of it i loved how we can use technology to unearth so many mm-hmm. things but what i was not a fan of was coding so i never associated like i never uh, associated myself with being a coder mm-hmm. because what the, all the representation that you would see in the movies is a is a guy in a black hoodie and you know exactly uh, numbers yeah and trust me that's not at all how the tech world really like if you want to have a career in it except if you are an ethical hacker or a right. non ethical hacker but <laughs> unless that's it there are so many other things that mm-hmm. you can do in tech and uh, so i was very fortunate enough to get into business intelligence world very quickly so i used to work on a lot of sql queries so sql is a relation sql is a language for a relational okay. database where you put in some query for example you want to see how many cities have had the maximum revenue 
So the so this is the basic unit of data query. So for 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 three to four years, I was into reporting that data. Mm-hmm. I was into for so I was in a position where I would get the cleaned data, where I would get the data in a format where it is ingestible by me or where it is ingestible by uh, for somebody to create reports on top of mm-hmm. i did that for 3 4 years and then uh, i always used to wonder how the data you know how the data is extracted but then right. i would always be you know i would always have this thing that oh it's too much software engineering there maybe i won't be good at that and then uh, i came to us i did my masters from kent state university i was lucky enough to become a web application developer intern there mm-hmm. and that's where i realized that coding is so much more logical it mm. can be exactly what you uh, it, it can be exactly used to get the results that you want out of it mm-hmm. you don't have to learn everything about coding and you know you don't have to learn c++ java python or every other language that is out there in the market understand the use case that you want yeah to get the results out of coding is a language so for example if my use case is i want to extract the data from mm-hmm. raw of uh, raw sources and i want to clean it up and i want to present it in a relational format or a, or in a report reporting ingestible format i need to look out for the language that is out there to do that hmm. i got to know that python is the best language to do that i learned it and i used it for my use case and within no time i was good at it hmm. so i think my whole uh, even with the data engineering or with any kind of engineering i think right. the thing that we get we get in reverse is we first learn every language then we identify the use cases that oh maybe you know this is because i know this language let me do this use case i was fortunate enough to know the use case or the thing that i wanted to do right. and then learn the language to emote it so And, and then I came to Thoughtspot, where yeah. I have had multiple opportunities to do everything from data engineering, which is fetching dirty data from the sources, mm-hmm. to cleaning up, cleaning up, to prepping up, to understanding the business use case of other teams. Yeah, which is another, which I will say is the challenge and the most exciting part of this job. And then presenting the insights and. even if like if 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 you are that kind of person like if every data engineer doesn't need to be a storyteller right but i like weaving stories around the around it's the easier to understand yes yes so For and sure. and then getting to uh, present that story i think mm-hmm. uh, that's that's what uh, excites me most but there are so many different permutation and combinations of the role of a data engineer mm mm-hmm. So again having said that I feel that there's a lot more education that needs to be gone out that no one specific way of doing data engineering is right and no mm-hmm. and the other way is wrong it's okay if you are more into analysis and less into the software engineering part of it and vice versa mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. I love that and I think too you know there the uh a lot of people don't think oh i can make a a huge business impact by learning this specific thing and and so you would probably say that's absolutely wrong like you can yeah oh you can uh, so uh, a little bit actually adding to that uh, answer so right now what i do is i take it in i take into consideration the uh, user feedback in the form of an nps score Mm-hmm. i take into a uh, user's usage of the product and then i try to see 
how does a happy consumer react how does a happy consumer use the product versus how does a sad user yeah. use the product huh. is the happy and what's the persona of the happy user are, are the are the users who are into more technical side of my product are they the ones that keep coming back or the consumers the content consumers for mm-hmm. example people who just want to consume reports are they the ones who want to uh, come back to the tool more so when you want to talk to the stakeholders when you want to talk to the leaders of the team you mm-hmm. always have to talk in terms of revenue you can't yeah. you can't get very subjective around that and this is why i love being a data engineer because of because again two things one uh, i am a huge flag bearer of impost imposter syndrome mm-hmm. so every time i'm in a meeting and i'm like oh maybe what i'm saying might not be right because that's just my gut feeling and then all these kinds of questions start coming in what do i know what experience do i have but with data i don't have to think all of that like yeah. data is data and then that way i don't also get too attached to my own hypothesis And because the numbers don't lie exactly yeah. and like uh, numbers don't lie and also it's so much better to communicate with the other person when the data is in front of them yeah uh, because as, as because for example if you have built a certain feature and if i go and tell you you know that your feature is not working and then mm-hmm. storm out of the room th- that's a different conversation rather than saying that see i feel that the numbers are saying certain thing about the usage of this feature and can you enlighten me more yeah. how this could be in a certain different way so the uh, so the defensiveness turns into cooperation mm-hmm. so this is why i feel that uh, bringing data into the picture uh, creates business impact yeah. because then you are not fighting in the meeting collaboration you are, collaboration yeah. you and, and then you are you are less likely less likely to be uh, attached to the result mm-hmm. of the conversation then you, uh, you then you then you just don't want my idea to succeed or your idea to succeed yeah. then you then you just want the data to be fine after after implementing this idea mm-hmm. and then you end up actually on a more solution driven yeah I, I, that makes a lot of sense to me. So yeah. you mentioned imposter syndrome a yeah. few times. I'd love you to expand on that. What what is that? Okay. So uh, I I always had this. I did not know that I always had this. Like I I uh, only a year ago I got to know that there is a term out there. For okay. This. And uh, it's and uh, let me also clarify. It's not gender specific. Okay. It's not gender specific. It's not age specific. It's not. anything specific it is like all of the people around me at certain point of time in their career or in their life they mm-hmm. get hit by imposter syndrome okay some people do uh, do manage to come out of it and uh, for example i would say that data has been that rescuer for me nice. because now i tend to doubt myself less and instead of being emotional about it i try to look at it from more objective standpoint mm-hmm. of view but uh i think that you know uh, for a, for the longest time i felt that since i'm not a core hardcore coder mm-hmm. i may not be a legitimate computer science student or a computer science professional so uh things which do not get represented in the mainstream media mm-hmm. that tends to give you that 
uh, doubt about you or you know the anxiety mm. about you because i had not come across many people or many interviews uh, like these where you you know you are talking that you can you can be technical mm-hmm. and at the same time you can be interested in weaving a story around the data right. and uh, telling the insights as it is and making brainstorming it more instead of just walking in and like a genius drop a solution and walk out mm-hmm. so uh, i i think those things did uh, the the misrepresentation of tech field in in movies or in uh, in interviews or articles i feel did add a lot to my uh, imposter syndrome and yeah. i think people around me as well uh, d- data definitely helps helped yeah yes. that makes yes. sense yeah. so what if you if there are if there are other people out there who um are battling with imposter syndrome or maybe even to your point uh don't know that they have it what yeah. are what are some symptoms of imposter syndrome and then also what would you say for people who are experiencing that um what uh, aside from data what would you say that could help them maybe overcome that okay so one of the symptoms that you know i started feeling that oh uh, like i was saying that this to myself a lot oh i had this in my mind i wish i should have had said this in the meeting okay yeah it's not because of the lack of the confidence or the lack of communication skill that i could not say that it's just that i was doubting myself i was questioning myself again and again i i would keep thinking that oh this person is definitely more experienced than me mm-hmm. what do i know which that you know that is better than what this person is talking about and uh, i think that was one of my major uh, uh major flags in understanding that yes probably i am uh over doubting myself yeah. and i am the one who's stopping from really making a contribution in a meeting or in a brainstorming session mm-hmm. and uh, so many times for example what would even happen is that if i do present an idea and if somebody would get defensive about it that is where i would get a little uh, i would get a little aggressive myself yeah and then the whole conversation the whole bronze brainstorming would go out of the window and mm-hmm. the conversation would uh, like only revolve around oh this person insulted me so trying i trying to prove yeah trying, trying to prove yeah exactly and and all these things so uh, a lot of uh, articles on uh, medium actually i i would give a huge uh, shout out to okay. medium in my life right now that i got to know about all these people that uh, you know uh, they would talk about how to remove the emotion out of not out of you as a person or a meeting room but emotion out of a discussion so by removing emotion out of the discussion what i truly mean by that example if i'm presenting an idea instead of saying what my gut feeling or what i believe about it i need to present facts around it and i think the Uh, what helped me was to understand my own biases i know this conversation like every time i have this conversation with any this conversation turns philosophical but i feel that uh, understanding my own biases mm-hmm. so uh, understanding my own triggers yeah. that you know oh, probably i was being more defensive at that time probably i was not being as rational or as objective as i should have mm-hmm. been so i think that helps in helping with the imposter syndrome. Thanks for listening to today's episode. To hear more, check out our website badassesintech.com and join our community. 
We're also on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud. So follow us and tune in next week. That about sums it up. I'm Summer Falgiano, and this is Badasses in Tech.